Let's pray. Lord, we just invite you now to really come and help us to become alive and receptive to your word. It's already alive. Help, help the anointing to be so present in here. And I just submit to, to you, to the leading of your spirit. Things I've planned to say you don't want me to say, just strike them. Things that I haven't thought of or planned or don't even know how to say, but you want to say, just say them. I just submit myself to you, Lord, and, and the grueling process of seeking after you to have your word for your people, Lord. And we just thank you that the enemy is defeated. And the word's going to go forth today with authority, with power and clarity. And there's going to be an impartation. People are going to receive prophetic word of the Lord. They're going to live and not die. They're going to fan that flame that they have, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're in the series. Wait, what? And if you're new for the first time, it's simple. It comes from the saying that many of our kids say, wait, what? And they say it for two reasons. One, when they hear something they don't like. They're like, wait, change that. What? Bring it back one more time. Or it's something they have a hard time believing. And it's so good, it's too good to be true. And they'll say, wait, what? And we recognize in the culture that we're in right now, there's stuff happening all around us that makes you go, wait, time out. I can't believe that. What? And um, it's a series dealing with the end times and how to survive cultural chaos. And so this morning, I want to talk to you, and we're just, this hitting three points on how to deal with anxiety in stressful times. This Today, I just have a word that only by God's Spirit am I going to be able to preach it and you be able to catch it. But people did in the first service. And so there's going to be a special anointing that God's going to impart some understanding. Some of you are going to see one of the main principles of Scripture, how powerful the prophetic, the spoken Logos incarnate word is. And, and it shapes things, and it's what our culture needs right now. Our whole world has always needed. All right, so let me begin by saying this. I, you've heard me say before that I'm prophetically wired. And what that simply means is, we'll read, we'll look at the five gifts that uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12 mention. But I've told you, you know, I, I'm not like a self-proclaimed prophet. I'm not, I, I don't like speak all about the future and I don't have a website where if you pay $15 you can get my prophetic word for the month. Um, there's enough of that on Facebook and other places. But I, every spiritual get assessment I've ever taken, it comes back that you, you're wired prophetically. And what that simply means is that you see things black and white and you, you don't mind calling things true and false. And sometimes in my ministry, I have gotten a word. I got one for this year. And my goodness, it's been true. And I've gotten one in the past. I got one the night before January 6, 2021, and had no idea what was coming. But I'm not a self-proclaimed like guru prophet. I think any prophet that has to introduce himself as prophet Chuck Ramsey, I'm not sure they're a prophet, you know. Um, prophets just call spades spade and they call things what as they as God sees them 
Um, I've also, when I do the spiritual gift assessment, I have high pastoral gifting. And that's a very unique combination for a spiritual leader, to be prophetically wired and yet to have compassion and like people. Some prophets, they don't like people, but they like telling people what God wants to tell them. And, but I'm one that, like, it breaks my heart sometimes, I'm serious, to tell you what I know God wants to say to you. And so um, that's why a lot of times I, I'm just so moved because I feel things so deeply from the Lord and so compassionately for people. And so we're going to begin today reading from Ephesians chapter 4. And I want you to play, pay close attention Paul says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, that Jesus gave to the church. These five offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, A-P-P-T, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Then we will no longer be immature children. Please write this down. Take a picture of it. Put it on your hard drive. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Everybody hear what I just read from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read it again. When those offices are functioning... Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher. There'll be maturity in the body of Christ, and we, will, and we won't be easily deceived. We will not be even influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So we see these five offices. We also know that the Scripture teaches there are like seven gifts Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. And of the five gifts that I just mentioned, I think everybody in this room, you probably don't know it yet, but you have one of those gifts. Either you have a strong gift of leadership and franchising, if you will, apostle. Some of you, you're wired like me. You see things black and white, and that's why you're at this church. Like attracts life. Some of you... You're burdened for lost people. You're all about evangelizing. Others of you have a great pastoral ability, capacity to love people. You'll leave the 99, go after the one. And some of you are fantastic teachers. But everybody in here has a spiritual gifting. And so I just want you to know, when we talk about the prophetic, um, please listen closely to me. Everybody prophesies, even if you don't know Jesus. Even before you come to the Lord, you have a, an ability to speak life or death over people. And um, some of us, you've heard someone say to their child, you're never going to amount to anything. That's a prophetic word. We were created in the image of God. And it doesn't mean we look like him. We have the same capacity that he does. We'll live eternally. And we have the ability to communicate intelligibly we're not like whales or dogs or chickens we are able to communicate articulate with great detail 
And there's life, Proverbs 18, 21. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so when we talk about prophecy, we don't want to get cuckoo or weird, but we do want to understand the need in the American church right now, I believe of the five gifts, I think mainly the one that we're missing is the prophetic gift, the one that speaks the truth on behalf of God. Now, Mike, Dr. Michael Heiser said this about the prophecy. Prophets were people who spoke for God, men and women who, at God's direction, looked their fellow Israelites in the eye and told them they were being disloyal to the God to whom they owed their existence and who had, a, had chosen a relationship with them over everyone else on the earth. Prophets told people the unvarnished truth and often paid dearly for it. And so today I want to talk to you in this Wait What series about black and white in a rainbow world. And that's the name of the subject this morning. Now, if you were with us three years ago in 2020, in the fall, about this time of year, I preached a series, Eminent versus Preeminent. We thought COVID was kind of going away, and we were all dealing with all this stuff that we had never dealt with before up in our face, and so powerfully distracting. Fear, anxiety broke out, and it's not even all gone. It continues to grow. And so when we talk about imminent, imminent is something that's ready to take place. It's about to happen, happening soon. And it's often or usually referring to something bad, something bad, it's foreboding, something that's hanging over your head, it's looming. I've, I've used it, it's like a squeaky wheel. It just won't go away. It's just there. And that's, those are things that are imminent. And we're dealing with a lot of imminent things, things that are up in our face, in our ear right now. Preeminent is different. It is first in rank, order, or importance. And it, it's surpassing all others. Preeminent things d does not demand, they do not demand your attention. They're not foreboding. Doesn't hang over your head. They just sit there quietly as a wise option you can make. And they're for the long term, the future. And they call for and require patience and faith, the difference between imminent things, squeaky wheels, distractions, and then preeminent things. Imminent is temporal, fleshly, immediate, and it's, of the, it's worldly. It's of this world and this world alone. Preeminent things, and we see it in Scripture, preeminent is eternal, spiritual. It's the things that are real, but you can't see them. They're unseen. And they're heavenly or kingdomly. And the imminent distracts, confuses, lies. The imminent unnerves you and seeks to manipulate you or control you. And it deals much with your feelings. Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. And he said, our light and momentary troubles. And if you knew Paul, what he went through, these were not light. These were like beatings, broken bones, persecution. But because he knows what preeminent is, 
He calls those imminent things light and momentary, temporal, temporary. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And he's speaking there about the preeminent. And look what verse 18 says. And I talked in 2020, this was a whole series. So because of that, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but our focus is on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Are you with me this morning? Now, the message translation, this is one of the classic passages. Chapter 3 and, and chapter 4. Chapter 4, 16, 18 verses before this opens up. And I want to read it from the message translation. You'll get a kick out of this. But pay, pay close attention. This is the word of God. Since God has so generously let us in on what he's doing. Since God has made us aware of his preeminence and his plan that can't be seen or heard, but he's let us in on it. He says, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. Is anybody out there? And here's the part, I love this. He's, we refuse to wear masks and play games. Can I get a witness? And all right, enough of that. We don't, li listen to this. Paul, as a spiritual leader, he says, we don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display. And we're seeing what a real spiritual leader should be like. No shell game. No letting the culture affect the church, but leading from an eternal perspective, knowing it's God's plan for the church to impact the culture. A couple years ago, we, we had spent a long time searching, years, looking for an executive pastor. We almost hired three people. Uh, Flew them in, interviewed them. We didn't. And thank God we didn't. Uh, we held out and got the best. And Pastor Arvo and Cheryl Ogle, thank God for it. And, um, but after that third one, the person helping us do that whole hire said to me, Chuck, you know what you need to write down? What do you not want in an employee? What won't work at restoration? And I said, that's easy. And I just fired off a list off the top of my head. We've kept it. And I said, I don't do well with lazy people. I don't do well with negative people. Like, I, I really uh, am allergic to negative people. I just am. I really am. And um, if you are negative, Pastor Munn can help you so you can be, become part of this church. But... We are overcomers, for real. The, the, faith is, a, is an atmosphere that we just can't dwell on what we don't have. We have to dwell. That's not the sermon. I, don't, I need to come back in. Um, I don't, we don't want any lone rangers. You got to be a team player. We don't like people who are ungrateful. You got to be considerate. You got to have some intuition. If we have to tell you everything to do, that it's not going to work. And here's the one he said, well, which is the one that is the most important? I said, insincere. 
If you're insincere, you, you'll, you'll breach our trust. And why is it? I grew up in the church, and I've just seen so much plastic, just so much. You know, I, I feel like every Sunday, I'd rather get up here and be real and awkward and rough and unpolished than to get up here and be slick and hip and cool. You know what I'm saying? Y'all out there? And I'm like, just bring it. Just tell me the truth. The Holy Spirit will help us digest it. And so when it talks about right here, I just think this is a, a plaguing disease in the, Ameri in the church. Paul said, put it out in the open. No manipulation. Take off the mask. And let's, let's be real. And how do... So what's he saying? He's, he's basically saying... If you're going to preach this, preach this. Don't mix it with a little Oprah and a little Dr. Phil and some pop psychology and some cultural relevance. Y'all out there, preach this. This is, this is the only hope. This is where the prophetic flows from. Being prophetic is not so much crystal ball, here's what's coming in 2024. God does that. But he does more Here's what the Bible says. And you say it. A prophet says what God has said and is saying. And we need more of that in the church is what I'm saying this morning. Paul says, God has led us in on what he is doing. And so we're not going to fix our eyes on the occasional hard times. He says, we're going to fix our eyes not on what is seen. That's easy. And temporal and passing. It doesn't matter as much. We're going to fix our is unseen. And you see the way the devil works in people's lives. Even Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus hasn't begun his ministry. He's just been baptized. And the last thing he heard, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew 4 opens up. He fasts 40 days in the wilderness. Satan comes to him, and the next thing he hears is, if you are the son of God. Did you pick that up? Satan comes to distort the prophet, the prophetic utterance. God's, God can speak for himself, but I'm just trying to make a point in the sermon. Jesus, the Logos, son of God, the word, the word himself just heard God say. He's pleased with me and reminding me, I'm his son. He fasts, and now he's weak because he's man. And Satan says, if you're really the son of God, and then he appeals to his temporal, fleshly side. He goes, you got to be hungry. Why don't you command these stones to be made into bread? And Jesus then quotes scripture. And that's Satan appealing to his human side. That squeaky wheel. You got to be hungry. Can't you hear that? And then he takes him and he says, hey, he tempts him. Prove that you're the son. Do something sensational. Perform. Throw yourself off of here. And, and then, then Satan misquotes from Psalm 91. He says, God said he would command his angels. He'll catch you. And that'd be awesome for everybody to see. And, say, and, and, and Jesus Quotes from Deuteronomy 8. He, he answers the misquoted word with the quoted word. And then Satan, he graduates and he takes him to 
Let's deal with your pride. He takes him. This is a whole nother sermon. You've heard me preach it before many of you have. Satan goes, hey, all the kingdoms of the world, they'll be yours if you'll bow down. Ego pride. Why don't you go ahead and be king now? Shortcut. I'll give it all to you. And before you go, Satan couldn't deliver on that promise. Yes, he could. Adam had given him the dominion in the earth. And Adam was dealing with the same problem that Jesus was dealing. Adam and his wife, the word got distorted again. And I just want you to know, this is how Satan works. It's how he has always worked. It's how he's working in our culture and in the American church right now. Matthew chapter 6, it's interesting. Jesus says, a Sermon on the Mount, he goes, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Look at the flowers. They're, they're dressed better than Solomon ever was. And they don't wake up going, what are we going to wear today? God just clothes them. And hear me, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus saying, stop worrying. None of you, all of your worry combined has never saved anyone an hour of anything. Stop it. Stop living in the temporal, imminent. But seek first the kingdom that you can't see, but is more real than the flowers and what they're wearing. And his righteousness. Oh, I'm talking to some, I'm talking to me this morning. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. This is Jesus helping us. I got, I got to just pause, just a little spiritual. Did y'all get it? Are y'all, how many of you are with me so far? You're just like, with me, okay. I told you, it's not going to be easy to catch, but it's going to be worth it. Um, this past week, I had a Google engineer who is highly involved and develop, his team is developing the AI behind the stuff we talked about last week. Unbelievable. And... Um, Great conversation, very respectful, and I'm so thankful. Love his heart. And um, he said, so with wait, what, teaching from Revelation, um, AI, mark of the beast, brain chips, what, what, are you, what are you trying to do? And I said, I'm glad you asked, because everybody listen to me. I'm not a book of Revelation specialist, and I'm not an end times eschatological expert either but I do know some stuff what the Bible says and I'm, I'm wading out into some subjects that most pastors are it's just not popular or easy to do for a couple of reasons um, people get scared and I'm like I'm not, I don't want you to get scared I want you to get prepared and and there's so much debate over um, end times and I think God, hear me, hear me, hear me. I think God intentionally didn't let the Bible spell it out completely to where it'd be easy to understand in the end times. Really? Yeah, because I think if somebody could read this and go, I know exactly when Jesus is coming. Exactly. You know what we'd all do? We'd live like the devil till about 30 minutes right before we know he's going to come back. At least your husband would, and you know he would. It's how men are. Am I telling the truth? Here's the other thing, I think. Don't, 
Sometimes I drop things. I know it's from the Lord. This is one of those. I think God puts subjects in the Bible to where they're not clear and they're debatable just so Christians will learn how to not be prideful and to love each other even when they don't always agree with each other. That's a good opportunity for somebody to clap their hands, say amen. Eminent, preeminent in our issues in the world today. Lots of chaos, squeaky wheels. What, why are we where we are? Why is what's happening in the world today happening in the world today? I believe it's because we have drifted from the Word of God. I think it's that simple. And I think the church is alarmed right now. Most people are scared. And they'd rather get a false report from the doctor, hear a pick-me-up sermon, than to get prepared for what's going on. But we've drifted from the Word. Um, and there are a lot of people trying to trick us with lies that are so clever that they sound like the truth. Have, are you aware of the sorcery, witchcraft, deception that's going on right now everywhere? You can't believe anything. I, you've heard me say it over and over and over. This is why Jesus said, when asked about the end times, the first thing he said was, be careful that no one deceives you. This is what the Holy Spirit's job is, to help us discern the truth. We've drifted from the word. And there are a lot of people trying to trick us with so clever a lie that it sounds like the truth. And so the last half of this sermon or last third of this sermon, I want to go back and I just want to remind you what the whole text for this series, and we may be here till Christmas, maybe even Easter, because the things we're seeing and how God's word speaks to what we're going through right now is unavoidable as a spiritual leader. Habakkuk chapter one, a prophet, one of the minor ones, speaks First tense, it's actually God speaking through him. And he says, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And I think the inverse of that is true for us. This week in prayer, this marinating in my spirit, God would say to that group, what I'm getting ready to do, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. God would say to this group, what I'm doing, you don't believe because you haven't read what I've told you. I can't say it again. I, I don't know. How. What, you, what I'm doing, you can't recognize it because you're not familiar enough with what I've said. Y'all out there. And so this is why we need the prophetic utterance. Not some spooky sign up and get my newsletter. I'm talking about somebody stand up in the face of potential persecution and being canceled and say what we all know the truth is. What God would say if he was here. Because he is, through the church 
and through us. We've drifted from the word and now it's being rejected altogether. There is no absolute truth in our culture, which is just, you have to be really dumb to be so smart to think that there is no such thing as absolute truth. We're dealing with moral relativism. And I'm not talking to the culture, I'm talking to the church. In a city where some of our most, our highest profiled leaders are caving left and right. Hatred toward God. And I would ask, are we better as a culture? Taking down the Ten Commandments from the courthouse and city hall, prayer out of schools, abortions, sexual gender confusion. Are we better? No, we're not. How do we get back? How do we get back and restore our churches and our communities and our nation? Are you ready? We get back by proclaiming the Word, the Word of God. And I want you to understand, even in the, temp, the, the preeminent, on the, the unseen realm, cause and effect works there too. In the unseen realm. For every action, there is a reaction. And there's a vacuum right now where Roshan said it. All of creation is waiting for the sons of God to stand up and be the sons of God. The whole creation and culture is crying right now for somebody to say, what has God said? Will God speak? How do we get back? This is why Paul said to Timothy, look, Verse 1, chapter 2, 6, 7, and 8. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. I, I, I want to stop. I want to personalize it. That's your job right now, too. Whatever you've got, a little spark of faith. Whatever, you may be coming going, Pastor Chuck, I barely got here. I got a little ember, that's it. Well, I'm glad you're here. You need the people around you. You need, fan that thing into flame right now. If we've ever needed you hot, it's right now. We need each other. Paul goes on and he says, for God has fanned it into flame because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And that was what we talked about. To be cowards. Cowards. Revelation 21 verse 8 said, the ones who shrink in persecution are going to be the ones who don't make it to heaven. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but, and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And he says, so never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. Three chapters later in chapter four, he says, I solemnly urge you, young Timothy, in the presence of God Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Say that with me. Preach the word of God. That's what we need. Paul said, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Do not be afraid. Cause and effect. For every action, there's a reaction. Pastor Arville and I have talked often about the if-thens in the Bible. They're over and over and over. If my people humble themselves, pray, seek my face, 
Turn from their wicked way. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. Google it. If then put in the word of the Lord with it as well. Not right now. But the Bible speaks over and over. It's like God is double dog, triple dog daring us. If you'll do that, I'll do this. I think God is sitting in heaven on the edge of his throne going, if somebody will just preach my word, I'll confirm my word. If somebody will just boldly declare my word, I'll confirm it. I want to just drop a couple postulates. If the pastor of this church can preach the word and the people receive it, there will not be any overwhelming chaos, confusion, or darkness in the lives of the people of this church. That's how much I believe the word of God to be truth. I didn't say there'll be no chaos, no confusion, no darkness. I just said it will not be overwhelming because God will be speaking into that chaos. God has a good track record of bringing light into darkness. Oh, come on, somebody. So this is the theme all through Scripture. Cause, effect. Action, reaction. God speaks, things happen. God doesn't speak or people don't speak for him. People don't teach the word. The vacuum creates and inaction, and it stirs up or allows darkness to come in to places where there once was light. Let's start, there are four quickies. Number one, at creation, it was the word first. The word was spoken and then action followed. The first three verses of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was, listen to this, formless, empty, chaotic, and dark. That sounds bad, doesn't it? Formless, empty, chaotic, and dark. Then the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What was the Spirit of God hovering for? Waiting for the Word of God to be spoken. And then God spoke and said, let there be. And whatever He said after that happened. The Spirit of confirmed the Word. This is the template for life in the, in the unseen world. The second thing we see, it was the word of the Lord that Satan challenged in the garden with Eve, not her behavior. Everybody look, Satan knows this template. He knows it in your life. To Eve, he didn't come and say, look at that fruit. That is the most beautiful fruit. You can't imagine how tasty it is. He came and said this, did God really say that you can't eat fruit from that tree? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And she goes, oh, yeah, he did really say. Satan doesn't leave it there. He's after the word. He's trying to keep people from preaching the word, receiving the word, hearing the word, and living by the word. It's what he, he did it with Jesus. It's, the, it's how the first sin entered the world. And she said, God did really say. And then he goes, that's not what he meant. Even he knows that you won't die. And that's a half truth. And Christians all over the world 
go hook, line, and sinker on a half-truth. They don't know the word, and they don't have enough oil in their lamp. They don't have enough Holy Spirit discernment. I'm talking to somebody right now. I just feel like pinning everybody up against the wall, just saying, you need some oil. In this world of deception and sorcery, witchcraft, evil, it's crazy. He said, you'll be like God. You won't die. You won't really die. And he was right. She wasn't going to physically die, but boy, did she die spiritually. And so she got the temporal imminent and lost the preeminent eternal. And we're sitting here today battling darkness because Satan, God had two people on planet earth. She heard the sermon from God. She didn't have it on a recording or a podcast. And he was able to twist it for her. This is how it works. It was the word of the Lord that Satan challenged. Thirdly, we see another picture, the incarnation. I'll just hurry through it. John chapter 1. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word. It was there before anything. Because nothing could be there or happen until the word said something. The word was spoken. It even says, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light. Are you picking up what I'm putting up? So like every church service we come. And before we get here is the word. Will it be preached, declared? Will there be an anointing for things to be, for life to come? Is the Holy Spirit allowed to hover in that place? So that when the word is spoken from a heart that's broken before the Lord in prayer and sincere, and the people are willing to receive it. Is there enough oil in that place? Oh, I just got to park here just one. Are you able to recognize the difference between anointing and talent? Because you're going to need to recognize the difference. We have 30, 40 years in American church life. We've built big crowds on talent and polish and sharpness. But what we need right now is an anointing that breaks the yoke the bondage of sin. And then lastly, and there are dozens, literally, I could go till Christmas. We could take two or three every Sunday in the, in the Word, but number four, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. This is the greatest picture of religious and cultural transformation where Jesus over and over and over said, you have heard but I say unto you, your behavior in spiritual death has been predicated upon what you've been told. But now I come and I say, and he lifted humankind with that one sermon. There are new, numerous examples. Chaos, confusion, darkness, God speaks, order, light, and life. Mark 4, the parable of the word. 2 Timothy 3.16, where God breathed out the word. Then people could be corrected, trained in righteousness. The Ten Commandments came. And now the Israelites have a system of government. Luke 1, Mary and the angel. All the angel had was a word from the Lord. 
And she spoke that word, or Gabriel did over her. And Mary said, I receive it. And the Holy Spirit was hovering over her. And she conceived. You see, nothing begins without a word from the Lord. Every human failing recorded in human history is a violation of the word. Every spiritual success story, every blessing in the earth has come as the fruit of obedience to the word. Truly, brothers and sisters, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Marriages don't live on bread alone. Families don't live on bread alone. Cultures don't, churches don't live on bread alone. They live on the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Are you out there? This is why we need the prophetic. And again, I'm not talking about the goofy. I'm talking about somebody to stand square shoulder, flat footed, man or woman, stand up and say, thus saith the word of God. Are you out there? Now, what do we need most right now in America? My heart breaks for pastors. Pastors are afraid to say what they know they need to say. Culture, you heard me say it last week, 12% of teaching pastors, and most of them are in mega churches, not dealing with people, no pastoring going on, but a lot of speaking. 12%, George Barna says, have a biblical worldview. Less than 50% of pastors in evangelical churches have a biblical word. What does the church need right now? The word. Had a sweet couple with three children catch us after the first service. Said, thank you. Our last Sunday at our last church was when they were teaching our children multiple pronouns for a person and that we're going to start honoring that. And you know, that is not uncommon. That's everywhere right now. What we need is to lovingly, next week I'm going to talk about truthless love and loveless truth. What we need right now is loving truth. Truth spoken with compassion and love. Oh, I, I got to pause. I didn't feel that like I did in the first service. Can there be a church that doesn't stand up here like a bunch of wild conservative just ignorant people trying to be religious can there be a can there be a church that just loves people and loves God and knows people need God's word can there be that yes that's the spirit filled church what does America need spirit if you pray for anything right now, if you've ever been here on Tuesday nights and Saturdays, what do I pray most for? Pastors, preach the word. We're, the church is in this predicament because we haven't been preaching the word. What do you need right now? How do you live? You need the word. You don't need a word from Chuck every Sunday. I'll be here and I'll preach with all my heart, but you gotta learn to feed yourself. You got to learn, just start in Matthew or John or James or Romans or Acts. Don't start back in the Pentateuch or the prophets, Ezekiel. But start in the Psalms. L listen to me. I've preached this over and over. I was 16 years old. A typical red-blooded male athletic high schooler. 
Growing up in a little small church in a small town, and I started reading the Bible, and I promise I'm here today because it got in, and I don't mean this in any weird way. It's like magic. It's not magic, but you know what I'm saying? It like, it got in me, and it changed me, and I promise you, if you get in the Word and let it get in you, it will do the work. This is the prayer of Jesus, John 17. Sanctify them by truth. Oh God, your word is truth. That's how he changed sanctify. I know it's a big word that most of us, we haven't heard preached in a long time, but that's like change him, God, from the inside out. Your word's what can do that. That's the prayer of Jesus. Oh, is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? Because I'm, <laughs> praise his name. You need the word. How are you going to make it? There are three things. I, if you track the last four years, everybody here, you've got to get in the word for you. You've got to be a part of spiritual community. You need a good church like this one. And you need to stay full of oil. You've got to have a lot of Holy Spirit as much as you can handle. Are y'all out there? You might know what I'm saying is the truth. Like, I'm talking to you, sir. You can't just show up with your arms folded and be nonchalant. Half in, half out. Kind of, I care, but not as much as the bulldogs and the roll tide. I'm serious. You've got to show up and go, I love God. I'm in his word. Oh, hallelujah. We get men in the word of God. Oh, all of North Atlanta's in trouble. We're taking, we're taking over if that starts happening. And you need spiritual community, and so do your children. Every week, your, every month, your church attendance should be going up. It should be trending up. It should, because we're one week closer to the coming of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I'm speaking prophetically to you. I don't have to have a word from the Lord. This is what the Bible says. Get your butt in church regularly. That was a little bit prophetic. That was how the prophets talked right there. Now, Closing. How many of you were here last week and you heard, and I closed from Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Next week, I'm going to visit this again, but it really sits heavy on me where he says, verse 8, but cowards, those, and we talked about it, who shrink back, who, who do have a spirit of timidity. At the moment of truth, persecution, they deny they know the Lord. Cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, and those who practice witchcraft, we talked about the fact that that's the term pharmakia and the witchcraft of drugs, legal and illegal, idol worshipers and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake. And so, may the Lord help us to not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. What are some things that God would say to us right now? What are some things that we know are true, but people are afraid to say anymore? Even you, you can't like certain things that I post because it could cost you and somebody's tracking. God would say to us, a woman is someone who is born with the ability to conceive and bring forth children. 
God would say a man shouldn't be in a woman's bathroom or competing against women athletically. Um, Do you feel the tension just even come in? God would say, it's wrong to kill babies. God would say, I created marriage and it's for your good. Man can't marry a man. That's not a marriage, that's a mess. God would say, children who can't decide their bedtime, you shouldn't give them the ability to choose their gender before they get to middle school or high school. God would say, those policies that are destroying those major cities, they look more like Marxism than democracy. And if you let them, they'll destroy your whole country. Why can't anybody say this? We all know it's the truth. And here's the deal. And there's many other things I could say. But there is chaos, confusion, and darkness. And the Holy Spirit's hovering, waiting for the spiritual leaders across the world to preach the word. It's that simple. You would put the word out, the word does the work. Praise the Lord. Anybody sense his presence coming up in here? Lord, we honor you. We honor your word. When you go to the doctor, do you want the truth? I do. I've told my children, when I get older, if I'm laying there and the prognosis is he's only got a few days, don't keep it from me. Because I want to make those days count if I can. And certainly don't mislead me and just give me palliative care which is what the church is doing. You know what the word palliative does? Take away the pain and let them die. I want, I want a doctor to tell me, Mr. Ramsey, you've got the disease and you got a couple weeks. That's the equivalent to going, you know what I want in church? I don't want to be scared. I'm going to be prepared. And I want the doctor to like come up to me and say it like this. Mr. Joseph, you've got the disease. And you could die. But I've been treating this disease and others like it for 6,000 plus years. And I've never lost one. If you'll work with me, if you'll obey me, we'll get you healed and back and acting like you're 15 years younger than you are. That's what the word of the Lord does. Are y'all out there? Now, do you want, do you want a false word that gives short-term hope? Or do you want a word that brings life? That's the prophetic.
the truth. Let's just honor the Lord. I, I didn't know if I'd do this, but I feel like I should. Felix and Roshan, would you guys just come right down here, right down here on this? I had a vision, and I, I didn't plan this, and think, but during worship in the first service, I had a vision that there were people in both services. You're here at church, and thank God you made it. Limping, broke, whatever, but you're here. And the enemy is like a squeaky wheel, 24-7, distracting you, condemning you, chaotic, chaos, manipulation. And you're here trying to receive from the Lord, like trying to worship. And, and it's like the enemy just right here. And you're doing this. And squeaky wheel. Don't even think you deserve the goodness of the Lord. Everybody else he loves in this church, but not you. You know what all you've done, right? Do I have to remind you again? That's what the enemy does. COVID. Lockdown's coming. Comply. 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 The economy's going to destroy your business again. <laughs> That's what the enemy's doing to some of you. And you know what you need to do? Lift those hands up a little bit higher. And you know what I... And when the word of the Lord touches, and then the Lord comes and says, get out of here. He's enthroning him, the praises. You don't have any rights. Come on, somebody. Stand and give the Lord praise. You block that out. It, if you're here today and, and, and you've just, you've had a squeaky wheel or two or three or four, incessant, and you haven't been able to get free of it, I speak the word of the Lord to you. The word of God is where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You are free. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The truth will set you free. If you're here this morning, I want you to quickly get in this altar. If you need some squeaky wheel silence, come and meet me right here in the altar quickly as they begin to sing. Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Come on, receive the word of the Lord. Receive the word of the Lord this morning. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified. The altar of my life. Christ be magnified. Can we go back? I want to do that um, first verse and I want us to minister to the Lord right now this is not about us those of you who are standing I want us to minister this song to the Lord and say we receive your word and we are your creation and we're crying out Christ be magnified in me and I want to ask while they begin to sing if I can get the prayer team staff elders 
people group leaders, those who know how to pray, I want you to come and just begin to minister. There's others, there's, there's a mother or two of young children and it's just incessant, the fear. And the Lord wants to deliver you from that. You're raising a world changer. You've dedicated that baby boy, that baby girl. Like Hannah, you've given that child back to the Lord. And the Lord can be trusted with every one of your children in the name of Jesus. There's somebody here, there's a man. You feel like you're aging out of the workforce and that fear has begun to creep in. And the enemy wants it to become an insecurity. If you're here today, I want you to receive the word of the Lord. He has come to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope in the name of Jesus. You might be the most valuable person in your whole company. And let God get favor, put favor on your life right now. Anybody receiving from the Lord this morning? Come on, lift your hands and receive. We praise you. Were creation suddenly articulate? Thank you, Lord. The thousand tongues to lift one cry. Magnify the Lord.
and strong and worship you. Come on, let's hear you sing it out. Puts me in the fire. I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just the glory into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you. collectively just over this room we will be people of the word we'll be like Samuel you spoke to him and he ran to Eli and said was that you Eli quit having ears to hear he was a priest he should have known better 
He said, no, I didn't say anything, young man, go back to bed. Second time Samuel went, third time he went, and Eli, he picked up. And he said, oh, next time he, he speaks, just say, here I am, I'm your servant. Teach us to hear you, Lord, when you speak. I pray for men especially, this week in the morning, in their devotion, in traffic, that they would hear you, see you, reveal yourself the reality of who you are in their lives. Give us ears to hear, Lord, like Samuel. Speak, Lord, and may we stand and you give us wisdom to be harmless as doves and wise as serpents. And that we will care enough to speak the truth and love you enough to speak the truth in love, seasoned by your spirit. Lord, fill us up with your spirit in this hour. Let the oil overflow, oh God, from this house. People in here who are like, I don't even know what it is to walk in the spirit, live in the spirit. Teach them, Lord. You, they didn't, in Acts chapter two, they didn't know what was about to happen. It just happened. They were seeking you. And we're seeking you, Lord. Not some trendy end time sermon series. We're after you, Lord. We lift you up. And I pray, Lord, you would draw us close to yourself. Benedict the 16th said, it's a Catholic book about prophecy. He said, intimacy with God makes one feel what God feels. Say what God says. See what God says. And so may we have a real personal and intimate experience with the Lord, a real relationship, amen? And so, Lord, we just speak deliverance, health, revelation, wisdom, purpose. May we see clearly in a rainbow, confusing world. May we see right and know that's right. And may we see wrong and know that's wrong because we are people of your word. And I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. You know, God is preparing our hearts to be a receptor of people who need love and truth. How many of you know, that's, that's why you come. There's love here. There's truth here, amen? That's the person of Jesus. And so over each one of you, let me do one more prophetic thing and say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. And may he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Canceled all worry, all fear, all anxiety. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything you need and then some will be. It will find you. If the Lord starts chasing you this week, just stop. Let him catch you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Everybody have a great afternoon. We love you.